Welcome to the Church of Philadelphia podcast. Get ready for this message to ignite your faith as the power and love of God is shared through his word. We're going to get right into the word. Um, let's just go to Judges. And I'm just going to read one scripture. We got a little ways to go today. Amen. Uh, and we're going to commit this to the Lord. Amen. <laughs> we're going to ask the Lord to have his way. Amen. I don't plan to be before you long. Amen. Uh, amen. So let's go to Judges. If you could stand for the reading of God's word. Judges chapter four. I'm just going to read the first verse and we're going to go to verse one. Judges chapter four, verse one. Amen. Amen. So and the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. Amen. You can be seated uh, where you are in the presence of the Lord. Amen. The book of Judges is a real exciting book in a sense of your understanding the nature of what it is when a people begin to drift away from God. Uh, When people don't have, uh, you know, someone sometimes to look at to begin to help to lead them in the way, they begin to drift away. They begin to go away. And it's not necessarily so much the leader's fault. It's because the hearts of the people, you know, were not committed to God, you know. And, and, and because of that lack of commitment and that lack of direction uh, and, 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 you know, coming together, people begin to do evil. Amen. This evil in the book of Judges that you see is really an evil of idolatry. You know, when you go back and you read, you begin to see that God allows some nations to be around them, to prove them, to test them, you know, and that speaks to some things that even while we're in this world, while Christ said, you know, I don't pray to take them out of the world. I pray that they'll be in this world. Right. You know, it's to prove us, it's to test us from day to day. Right. There's a testing that happens, whether we're going to follow commandments of the Lord or not, whether we're going to obey or not whether we're going to submit or not, whether we're going to do what God has told us to do or not, there's a testing. And God allows testing. He allows different things to come around because he wants to see, because there has to be some challenging to and some proving when he gives us a commandment. Amen. So many times, and you see in the book of Judges, you're going to see over and over and over and over again, the people of God, they failed the test. They failed the test over and over again. And God had to raise up a judge, begin to help them and bring them back on track. And as soon as that judge died, This is what usually happened, as we see here in verse one, the people would do evil again. It's almost like that the people did not learn their lesson. They did not remember what happened when they did evil last time or the evil is just too. It's just too, you know, attractive. There's nobody there to say, no, we need to go this way. No, this is not what the Lord is saying. No, you know, this is this, you know, come come to God. You know, don't go to the idol. Don't go to that thing that you want to worship because you want a quicker way out. Don't go to that. Right. Come to God and go the way of God. Amen. So they did evil. In the sight of the Lord, when Ehud died, what does the word Ehud mean? It means undivided or united. And as I was preparing for this word, God began to speak to me about that. He, you know, that there's a grief. There's a grief that he feels about the body. There's a division that is going on within the body individually, meaning on the inside of us. Some of us, we are divided. We're double minded. You know, that's that we have not made up our mind yet whether we're going to obey God or not, whether we're going to do what God has said or not, whether we're going to be focused as far as doing the things that God has put in our hands to do or not. We're 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 we're, we're not united. 
And this is what causes us to drift off and to do evil and to be, you know, kind of, you know, committed to God somewhat and then committed to a whole bunch of other things at the same time, too. And there's a there's a division also collectively. There's a grief. I don't want you to think that this is just, you know, just, you know, a word that I'm just giving you. There was real grief, real grief in the place of prayer that I begin to feel what God's heart is upset about that. There is division within us, division within our body and division within us. Where why? Why have we not made up our minds to be united, to be at one, to be to come together? And he says there's some things that's just going to be on hold until it's fixed. There's some things that it's going to be on hold until it's fixed, until we begin to get one here with him and one in, in the body. As far as going in the same direction, there's some things in our lives collectively and there's some things in the ministry that's going to be on hold until it is fixed, until it's fixed, until it's fixed, because the, the, it, 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 it kind of it puts us in a bad place. And if we try to move forward in that place, you know, as we try to move forward in that place, it exposes a lot of different things. And we're not talking about unity in the sense of, you know, everybody got to do the same thing. We're talking about everybody's agreed to go the same direction. Everybody's agreeing to go the same direction. There's division in households, division in marriages, division in, you know, in, in, in with our children. There's division that's going on and the enemy is at work in these areas. It's not just a difference of view. <laughs> it's not just a difference of viewpoint. It is the, it is the enemy. If, even if it's a difference of viewpoint, there's a, there, there's a coming together that's still supposed to happen in an agreement as far as who Christ is and who we are following. And what he has called us to do together, whether it be a household, whether it be a person, whether it be a family, whether it be in the community or whether it be a church. We're weakened when there is division. So Ehud, he, he represented this, this unbroken union. And sometimes we fight. We fight unity because we don't know who we are and we're trying to stand out and we're trying to do our own thing and we're trying to make our own way and look and look, you know, and our, have our identity, you know, kind of stand out from everybody else's. But who is really shaping that identity when it's not in agreement with God's will? Amen. So they did evil and idolatry brings bondage and captivity, bondage and captivity. I'm going to get to the title after a while. I know y'all wondering, like, what is the title? I'm going to get to the title just in a little bit. All right. Uh, he brings idolatry, brings bondage and captivity. And there's something about, you know, as they were in bondage in this land where God had given them, meaning in the place of promise, they still experience bondage. In the place of promise, they still experience bondage. They still experience, you know, the captivity of the enemy coming in. Amen. So they begin to stray away. And this this idolatry caused their this bondage to come in. And anytime there's bondage in any area of our life, just understand the enemy has some type of influence in that place. Right. You know, some of us, we don't want to think, well, hey, you know, he don't have me in bondage. I'm free. I'm free. Right. But, you know, there's things in our life that's not free. Right. <laughs> Meaning there's bondage in certain areas of our life. There's bondage in different places in our hearts. You know, we may be free in certain areas, but most of us, if we tell the truth, we're not free everywhere. 
Let's just tell the truth. Let's tell it all the way through. We're not free everywhere. There's still some bondage in our hearts. There's still some bondage that's going on in our minds. There's still some bondage that's going on. And as far as the things that we are trying to go after and the image that we're trying to live up to, it is that image that we are worshiping at times more than we're worshiping God. Because when we don't get the image, we get upset with God. Or we begin to sacrifice the relationship with God to go after the image that is calling on us. That's what an idol is. An idol gives you false promises. It gives you, and it's always powered by a demon. So this is why, as the women of God talked about last week, uh, Eldridge Toy and uh, Eldridge McKinney, an idol is fake. An idol is fake. It's to pull you away to come to a fake, a false place, where the enemy now has free reign to deceive. But many of us, we don't think we have idols. But see, modern day idols are the image that we're trying to live up to on the inside of us. The goals that we're trying to hit. The things that we, how much money we want. What we want our life to look like. It is that image that we're trying, that, that, that some of us, our hearts have become uh, 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 intimate with more than God. Meaning I'm trying to tie in God with that. Meaning I'm trying to make sure that, okay, I'm not going to go totally away from you, God. But God, you know, uh, you, you know, you said this in your word, though, and you said this and you said that, you know, that we, you know, that we supposed to be rich and we supposed to have money and we supposed to be healed and we supposed to be, you know, yes, all of those things are true. But the end of the day, he still wants to be number one. And if we be honest, some of these things God has allowed us to be around to prove us. And some of us have failed. I know I failed. I'm going to just tell you the truth. I have failed. I have failed. I failed. I failed with the increase. Yeah, trying to do more and everything. I still failed because my heart, my heart, when I'm when to say that my heart begins to start to stray, yes, I failed. Even with still trying to do everything that God has called me to do, I can still say to me on the inside, I failed. I failed. Mm -hmm. when, when, when God gave me more, I failed. Right. The, the, the very thing I did not want to do. That's what I did. Uh huh. That's right. I, I strayed away, meaning I wasn't as on fire for him no more. Meaning now God's image was changing according to what my what I wanted my life to look like. Right. That, that, that God now is becoming more of a God of success than a God that, that saves and heals and makes me whole and then brings me success. Right. It's more of a God that empowers me to go get the success more than the one that I obey and be overtaken by the blessings that come because I'm obeying him. Some of us, we have to get back. We have to come back and repent. We have to come back and really, really humble ourselves. Amen. Come on. I don't want to stay. Let's go to verse two. Come on. So and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, and that that reigned in Hazar, the captain of whose host was Caesarea, which dwelt in Hasresh of the Gentiles. So look, so look now, and this is, this is a common theme in the book of Judges. They do evil and God sells them off. And I said, God, well, how, what does it mean for you to sell? <laughs> for you to sell me? <laughs> if, if I'm doing evil and you sell me, what does that mean? Like, what are you getting in return for this? Right. You know, and what it is, is it, what God began to open up to me. He said, you've already if you've already gone to an idol, you've already enslaved yourself to something. I'm just selling you off to what you enslave yourself to. 
I'm letting that bondage be complete. I'm not going to stand in the way of it. I'm going I'm not going to stop it now. I'm not going to stop your enemies from coming at you. I'm not going to stop them from being able to defeat you. I'm not going to stop them from being able to overtake you. And for some of us, God has sold us in certain areas. I know this may be a difficult word for some of us this morning because of the pride that we deal with. We don't want to think that we've been sold because if your fire is low, you've been sold. You've been sold in the area. Something, something. It could be something that happened years ago. It could be something that happened a long time ago. It could be something that is in your heart that has caused you to look at God in a different way and caused you to be at a place where you're not as committed as you used to be. And now God has sold you to this other thing. And this other thing is calling you. This other thing is shaping you now. This other thing is talking to you now. This other thing is now teaching you now. Because now God wants to say, if you want it, go ahead and go ahead and, go ahead and get it. Go ahead and take it. You can have it. Because God, what God knows is he's eternal. He's not going anywhere. And God knows the end of the decisions that we make. No matter how much you get mad at other people trying to tell you and you just think it's just another man, uh, you know, oh, that's just their opinion. And that's just because they don't understand and they don't have this revelation. Okay, amen. But get the revelation and I'll bring it to the body. Why, why is it the revelation now is so, is so uh, uh, you know, exclusive, <laughs> you know, where you, you're just taking it now and you can't bring it to the body? Amen? So this is what he said. Look, I'll sell them. I'll, I'll cause their bondage to be complete. I'll cause their bondage to be complete. And many times idolatry doesn't really feel like it until we're facing the bondage that then now it comes to hit us. Oh, this is this is not like we're in the promised land. Because see what the problem was this. This was the problem. And we're going to deal with this. The problem was this. He had to help prove them because these were people that didn't know how to fight. <laughs> these were not men of war. They were not they were not they were not people who were used to fighting. They were just people who were just used to getting because Joshua had died. So these are not people who are used to going to go fight because people don't like to fight. They don't want to fight the devil. They don't want to fight to get what they want. They want to fight. Now, they fight sometimes to get what they want, but not in God. <laughs> Meaning if I have to sacrifice other things, even if that means a little bit of my relationship with God to get what I want, I will sacrifice that. But to fight to get your inheritance in God, we're not trying to fight for that. We're not trying to fast for that. We're not trying to obey for that. We're not trying to submit for that. We're not trying to break our will for that. Not like that. Not like that. But God said, okay, go your way. I'll let you stray and I'll sell you to the enemy. Amen. And so, in verse three, we see what happens here. Because see, the thing is, well, let me go over the definition of Jabin and Caesarea. Caesarea, meaning he is wise, right? So he sold him to Jabin. He is wise. When you go to Joshua chapter 11, you will see that this is actually someone coming back to come get claim what was taken. They was coming back. This something that happened in his line, meaning Joshua had, I mean, he, you know, just... In chapter 11, there was about all the kings of the north of, of, of Canaan. It was, it was a few of them that came against him. And this was one of them, of his lineage, probably his dad or his granddad or something like that. 
right? So now he's like, he's been waiting. And this is the thing. The enemy has been waiting where God, God has given us some territory. God has given us more. God has increased us. God has put us in a better place. God, has doing this, God is doing these things. And now the enemy has been waiting for the right opportunity for us to get comfortable, for us to not be as committed, for us to not do as much as we supposed to, for us to not grow in God, but to grow in the world, to grow in stuff, to grow in the world's philosophy. Not grow in spirituality, not grow. And when I say spirituality, I'm talking about following Christ. I'm not talking about the stones, rocks, or any kind of other philosophies. I'm talking about following the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So uh, not growing those things. That, 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 so the enemy comes, and now he says, look, I'm going to take back what you took from me. And we're talking about people who got burned. He burned the towns down. He burned his relatives and everything. I mean, Joshua went in. <laughs> So, and this is the thing, this, this thing that you're facing right now, these things that we're facing right now is some things that we've already defeated before. It's some things that we've already, we've already overcome, we've already conquered it before, but because we got lax, we got lax. You might not want to say it. You might not want to look at it, but you have to say, you know, I've gotten lax. Why have I gotten so lax? And because we've gotten so lax, now the enemy says, oh, this is a good time to come back in because, see, they don't want God like they used to. They're not as devoted as they used to be. They don't want to walk with God like they used to walk with him. So he comes and brings what? Caesarea means to battle array, meaning now he's coming saying, look, I know I can't come halfway. I got to come the right way at this one. I got to come the right way at that family. I got to come the right way at COP. I can't come halfway. I got to come the right way. I got to come with the right level of confusion. I got to come with the right level of lust. I got to come with the right level of anger and bitterness. I got to come with the right level of affliction. I got to come and hit them where it hurts so they can all begin to now begin to come down off the wall and stop watching and stop praying and stop fasting and stop obeying and stop trying to get stuff right between each other and stop trying to be clean and stop trying to be holy and stop trying to do what God has called them to do. And I'm going to seduce them into a better life because I know God is going to fulfill his promise. But as soon as they get relaxed, I got a battle for them. And see, some of us, you're hitting that battle right now. You're hitting it because you, you're trying to go forward in God. But God is like, you can't bring that idol with you. You can't bring that nasty heart with you. I, you got to let me deal with it. You can't bring all that bitterness with you. You can't bring all that division with you. You got to let me deal with the division that's going on on the inside of you. You can't bring all that confusion with you. You're trying to go to the next space, the next place, but there's too much that we're trying to bring with us. So he said, look, I got a battle for him. I got a battle. I might didn't win the war, but this battle I'm going to win. This battle I'm going to take back what they took from me. Come on, give me the next scripture. Mm -mm. Say, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord for he had 900 chariots of iron and 20 years he, he mightily oppressed the children of Israel 20 years 20 years think about this think about this 20 years he mightily oppressed them they were under bondage for 20 years and in this bondage in 20 years Keep on going off. My apologies. 
So the children of Israel cried unto the Lord and they were under bondage for 20 years. And these chariots of iron represent the strength of the bondage. They mightily oppressed. See, this is the thing. You know, we say, well, I ain't possessed. I know how to get free from the devil. Why are we so close to the devil? Though? Why, why, why is it that some things, you see, see, some things just have to come to an end. Some things have to now begin because there's been some mighty oppression that even in even in bondage, we can begin to display a certain level of, of endurance to put up with the bondage. The, in this book of Judges, this is the second longest bondage in the whole book. The other bondage was 40 years. And when you read Samson. So do we see now he's having he's having to raise up a judge because they've been they've been taken over for 20 years, mightily oppressed, and they just adjusted. <laughs> see, that's what some of us, well, maybe I, you know, ain't got to pray like that. You know, we just believe God and we just pray, you know, you know, I, I ain't got to obey like that. I ain't got to. We just adjust to a different culture. We adjust to a different influence. Because see, now, now see, this oppression was because now the culture is different. And for some of us, the culture that you used to have on the inside of you that was closer to the kingdom is not the culture you have now. You have a culture of defense. You have a culture of trying to protect yourself from everyone. You have a culture of anger. have a culture of bitterness. You have, it's the culture of darkness. But see, we just say I'm dealing with an issue. I'm just dealing with an issue. We have the culture of perversion. We have the culture of lust. We have the culture of fear because we're afraid to take the, take, do what, what God is telling us to do. So we hesitate, hesitate, procrastinate, hesitate, hesitate, procrastinate. Because it's a culture that now we have adopted, that now we're living in. And some of us, we've been living in it for years, so you know how to live around it. You know, these people were still eating, still having a good time, still celebrating birthdays, if that's what they did. Anniversaries, you know, you know how we do. Taking pictures, we on Facebook, Instagram, looking pretty, oppressed. Eating out, oppressed. Traveling, oppressed. Come on, just be real about it. And it's okay to cry to the Lord about it. See, this is the thing. This is not just to point out, because I know sometimes people feel like, you know, you're just pointing out stuff. You're just pointing out stuff. No, 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 no. We, we got to get to the truth. The truth is there's some oppression that really, you know, is bothering us, but we're trying to just live around it. We're not trying to face it head on. Not really trying to kill it. We're not really trying to fight it. We're not really, it's just like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, I know how to get around it. Because when I come against it, it hurts too much. It hurts too much to forgive. <laughs> That's that iron. When you hit that iron, it hurts too much. It don't bend. Because like it, it's been there so long. It's been forged. It's been put in place. It's like it's, it, you, you're being, being mightily oppressed by something that does not easily move now because we let it in. So now you got to do a little extra work. 
You got to cry now to the Lord after these 20 years, after these five years, after these three years, after these four months, however long it's been. It's time for you to cry. And then some of you, I know some, somebody said, I ain't going to cry again about this. No, you need to cry to the Lord about this thing. You might have cried before, but now you need to cry to him. You need to cry to him until he answers. 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 Don't cry to him and give up. Don't cry to him. And no, it's time to get in the place where you begin to say, God, this has to change. This has to be different. This has to come to an end. This right here, if it takes me pain, if it takes me having to cry and having to weep and having to wail, that's what I'm going to do because I can't deal with this mighty oppression anymore. Why? Why, why, why deal with the oppression of the enemy? Why deal with the oppression of, of, of the wicked? wickedness on the inside of us it's because we give we give place to it because we say well man i'm just trying to be real okay be real but now let's be real about how long it's been there some of us you have actually an actual root of bitterness in your soul an actual root of bitterness that is breaking ground or has already broken ground and now to pull up that root is gonna hurt but that's okay. Take that pain because you don't want to be profane. See, th there's a certain level of, of, of darkness and a certain level of bondage that we have somewhat gotten used to. That that's just my level of what I deal with. Okay. But dealing with it and being bound by it, two different things. If it's a certain level that you fight, amen. But if a certain level that it, it pretty much got you oppressed, be honest. Be honest, you're oppressed. It ain't nobody else's fault at this point. It's nobody else's fault at this point. Oh, Lord. It's nobody else's fault at this point. For some of us, we've been oppressed for a long time. It's time to now begin to start to come out. Cry again. Cry again. As much as you want Jesus, we say we do, right? Because I'm talking about me too. Oh, God, God, I want to obey you, God. I, but then there's certain things I didn't want to give up. It took me years to give up. Crying, wallowing in my flesh, meaning I'm upset with God, mad at him, mad at him about this, mad at him about that, bitter about this, to the point to where now I begin to usher this stuff into my house. To where now my, my children are dealing with an angry man. My, 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 my wife is dealing with a bitter man. My wife, now, now, because now I'm trying to cover myself. My, I got to take care of me. Ain't nobody else trying to take care of me. Ain't nobody else trying to care for me. And, and this, this mindset that begins to come in now that now, now, because of these trust issues and because of this bitterness and this anger that, that I was dealing with, now, now that mindset begins to now instruct me on how to deal with my children and how to deal with my wife. And I had to come back and apologize to everybody. I had to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I was an angry man. I'm sorry. That's not that I'm supposed to be walking in peace. Not mean I don't deal with stuff. Yeah, you deal with stuff. But that, you know when you're crossing over. We know when we're crossing over, when you don't have that peace for it, when you just want vengeance. You want vengeance. You want them to feel the pain. You're the one that has taken the vengeance in your hands. 
And this is where that's that's the trick of bitterness. The trick of bitterness is you take the vengeance in your hand. And as long as you hold the unforgiveness in your heart and as long as you hold them accountable, then that you're going to make sure they change. And we're not God. You can't make nobody change. I can't make nobody change. But I know somebody who can. Amen. Come on. Let's go to verse four. Like I said, we got to mm, help us, Jesus. <laughs> help us, Jesus. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Labadon, she judged Israel at that time. Come on. So this is this is what I'm talking about today. This is what I'm talking about. Awake. Awake, Deborah. So this is what we need. This is what we need. Uh, come on. Come on. That's the title of my message today. Awake. Wake up. Wake up, Deborah. Wake up. Women of God, wake up, church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ. Wake up. Wake up, Deborah. Wake up. Wake up, Deborah, the only prophetess in the book of Judges. Wake up. Wake up, Deborah. We need you. We need you to get back in place. We need you to be here. We need you to be in the place of judgment. We need you to take your seat again. Amen. So look at this. At the cry that they release, begin to now this prophetess who's serving the Lord in the place of bondage, still judging, helping the people. They're coming to her. She has the wisdom. See, this is the thing. You know, God trying to elevate us from just dealing with issues to now getting the victory. Because see, some things we just used to dealing with this and dealing with that. And we just dealing with stuff from day to day, dealing, 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 dealing. Problems, 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 problems. Resolve this, resolve that, resolve this, resolve that. In some areas, God is like, okay, now it's time for victory. Because when you come and you cry before me for real, when you get serious before me for real, when you begin to now begin to pull these other things back, put everything else to the side and make me be your life like I already am. That's where God is like, OK, now, now, since you crying to me, since you're saying, look, I believe in the covenant that you gave me. I believe that you're the God. I, I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to really fully give myself back to you. I'm ready for freedom. I'm ready for deliverance. I'm ready for that. God raises up a woman, a woman. Yes, he does. He raises up a woman, a woman. Yeah, I want to talk to the women and I want to talk to the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, because collectively we are that that woman in the earth, that one that's representing Christ in the earth. Amen. The one that's supposed to have a prophetic mantle, the one that's supposed to be the mouthpiece of God in the earth, the one that is supposed to be judging things in the communities and in families and in households and in cities. That is the woman that I'm talking to. You got to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. What does Deborah mean? It means be. Orderly motion. Systematic instincts. See, this is the thing. Your instincts, some of us, we're dull. That's how you know you sleep. We're dull. Your instincts are dull. That's how you know you sleep. That's why you got to wake up. So I'm talking to the men and the women right now. That's how you know you're dull. But there's a special emphasis on the women. Amen? Amen? But we're talking about, you know, as far as where we are territorial-wise, the church that we are together. Amen? Amen? So why? Why? We're sleep. We're sleep. We're not, we're not sharp like we used to be. We're not as obedient as we used to be. We're not crying after him like we used to be. And it ain't even about trying to go back. Because some of us, 
you may say, well, I know how to get into that place, but is that the place where you're supposed to be? Meaning, by this time, if you're still entering into the same place and the same level of revelation, and there's not a fresh revelation that's not just, you know, that's coming from you and your relationship with Christ and your walk with him, then there's some dullness that's going on. What is squeezing your prayer life? What is squeezing your discernment? What is blinding your eyes? What is that shade, that veil over your heart that you can't feel or don't feel the freedom to love like you used to? Come on, remove that veil over your heart. It's time, it's time, it's time, it's time for us to come together and have some better instincts about the will of God. She was a B, meaning what? Come on, give me um, verse five. We're gonna have to put these together. Saying she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah, her tree, right? Between Ramah and Bethel and Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. They came up to her for judgment. She would sit under the tree and they would come up to her and they get judgment. Amen. Now, the characteristic of a bee, one thing is they're sweet but deadly, right? Only the female bee carries the stinger. So, and this is why bitterness has to be uprooted. Because you can't be sweet and bitter at the same time. Come on, we've, we, we've met those people. We've grown up with some of those people. And some of these people was in our families. They was our grandma. They was our granddaddies. <laughs> you know, our great-grandmas, our aunts. You know, just bitter. You know, but they could be sweet when they wanted to be. But the bitterness overshadowed the sweetness, right? God want to get that. No, 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 no. She's a mother of Israel. That mothering anointing to be able to pull and, and, and restore a nation now, restore community, restore, restore a, a church, restore a people, restore a family. She carried that anointing on her life. Amen. So she was able to judge in between, you know, everyone. Another thing is they have five eyes. Bees have five eyes, meaning that they see more than the normal person. <laughs> right. And if you ever been around a woman. You know, I could say my wife, you know, she sees stuff. I know she was pointing out this spider to me in her car like yesterday. Two or three times I, I missed the spider until I saw it while we was going down the road. But she sees the details. And, and, and in, the, in the details is where God a lot of times is trying to reveal some things. So you got to look a little bit closer because there's some things you stop looking at. But God didn't tell you to stop looking at it. There's some things you stop addressing, but God didn't tell you to stop addressing it. There's some things you stop dealing with, but God didn't tell you to stop dealing with it. Go back and look at it again. Look and see what God is saying. They fly around about 20 miles per hour, meaning they're fast, right? And they're able to lay up to 2,000 eggs per day, per day, per day, right? We're talking about the queen bee, you know, and I'm not talking about no Beyonce, Amen. We're not talking about that witch. Amen. So we they, they, they lay out 2000 eggs per day, meaning they're fertile, fertile, fertile. And, and this is what the, the body of Christ and the women of God, you're supposed to be fertile ground, fertile ground for the word of God, fertile ground. See, that's some things that God is about to raise up some women. God is raising up someone. He's already doing it here in our body. And these words have already came, so I ain't saying nothing brand new. I'm just coming to remind you, for some of you that's right on the edge of some things, keep on pushing. Keep on pushing, first lady. Keep on pushing. Keep on pushing. Keep on pushing. Because God is raising, raising them up, raising them up, raising them up. And God is trying to do something in the women as he does something in his bride. Amen? Said so they work really hard. They're really hard. Really, really hard. 
They work really hard. Amen. They smell better, uh, 50 times better than a dog, which a dog is almost a few million times better than a human. So we're talking about someone who has excellent instincts, excellent senses, right? Their antenna is able to smell, touch, taste, you know, is able to kind of like pick up the magnetic field of the earth and give them navigation as they fly. You know, this is amazing stuff. I'm like, God, you know, you are creative. You are creative. But this is the this is the this is the, the creativity. When you look at a woman, this is how creative he made her. Seem like she can do two or three different things at the same time and seem like they get it done. I I, I can't seem to do that. You know, that seems to be difficult for me, right? Seems like they could talk about this, talk about that, talk about this, and keep up with all of it at the same time. And, and, and somehow or another, it's all one conversation to them. And God, God, God has been showing me, like, you know, look, this is how I made her. This is how I made her. I made her with disability. And some of you women of God are, are really operating below the ability that God has put on the inside of you. And as the church, we are operating below the ability that God has put on the inside of us. We're operating below it, meaning there's more. I know you might be tired. I know you might be stressed out. I know you might be weary. But grab the hands of another woman and begin to pray and get into the presence of God because the energy is going to come from his presence. The life you're trying to live has got to be under the tree, that place that is that does not move. You do not move and bend so easily that things come, but you don't break. And see, this is the only reason you haven't given up up until this point, because you have not broken. Even though you may feel broken on the inside, even as a church, it's the only reason because God said, look, I'm going to keep you. Yeah, I won't let you break, but I, I need you to take your seat back up under the tree because some of you, you left under the tree. You're not under there anymore. People can't come to you like they're supposed to, like they should be able to. You're not as open as you used to be to be able to fulfill the will of God for your life. And that is also stopping the prophetic flow in the earth, stopping the word of God from going out the way it's supposed to be in the earth, in your house, in your community. And I know that, you know, the enemy has used many things to wear you out, to frustrate you, to make you upset, attack your children, attack your marriage, attack you at your job, attack you in so many different places. But seem like to me, seem like to me, and this is what the Lord began to deal with me. He said, how, how have you, how, how have y'all been bewitched that you think that now you've begun in the spirit that you're going to be perfected in the flesh. You think that now if your natural get better, that now somehow spiritually you're going to be whole. No, 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 no. It does not go that way. We've been bewitched. What's bewitching you? What's telling you if I just get this, this, and this right? No, and if you don't get this right, meaning your relationship with him, if you ain't tight with him, if, you don't, if you're not in that place where you can really hear him, hear his wisdom, hear his understanding, hear his direction. She was able to judge because she had a certain level of wisdom she walked in. And with every woman that I've met, there's a certain level of wisdom, intuition, and everything that they walk in, whether they save or not, God put it in them. They just, he just made them like that. This is why the Bible talks about wisdom as being a her, a she. Not saying men of God don't have wisdom. We have wisdom too. Amen? Because <laughs> we are part of the church. But Rama, she was between Rama and Bethel. Bethel meaning the house of God. Rama was the place where Samuel lived. This was the place where he built up an altar 
And this was the place where he judged Israel from. Bethel, not just meaning the house of God, but this was a place of encounter where Jacob actually encountered God. And he was like, God, this is God is here. And I did not perceive it. The presence of the Lord is here. The, 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 the heavens were open here. He went to sleep and saw angels going up and down the ladder. And it was like, oh, my goodness. God is here. This is speaking to your encounter. Woman, go back to your encounter. Church, let's go back to our encounter. As we've been talking about all year, go back and see what God has done in your life. Go back and see it. And let that connection to the prophetic, especially for this house, be restored. Let that, it was that connection she had now to Rama, to that, to that Samuel flow, to be able to judge Israel. The only woman in Judges. Come on, she's a bad somebody. You ought to look at your wife and tell her you a bad somebody. Baby, I honor you. You a bad somebody, Pastor Kerry. You a bad somebody. You ought to look at a sister and say, you a bad somebody. You ought to look at your daughter and say, you a bad somebody. Come on. I, I, I look at the church and say, we, we a bad somebody, the bride of Christ in the earth. Amen? She, she was in this place, and now, because of this cry that went forth, come on, give me verse 6. This crowd that went forth. Look now, we're talking about 20 years. We don't know where she's from. We don't know what tribe she's from. We don't know where she's coming from. Some people, say, some people think she could have been maybe a daughter of Issachar because of how she read things. When you go and read the next chapter, you kind of see some things. But she knew out of these 20 years, now God is speaking deliverance. See, she knew how to sustain the people while they were there. Right. But God is now saying, OK, now it's time to deliver. Now it's time to move. God, God has heard a cry. He's heard a cry of a people. And now he's ready for them to move. He's ready for them to be delivered from what has oppressed them. Amen. And she says she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinon, uh, out of Kadesh Naphtali. And said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun? Come on, these are my people right here. I done got a little close with these people, you know, <laughs> as far as the children of Naphtali and Zebulun. You know, they, they, they're the people that, that was where Christ started his ministry. Amen. So, but we see them showing up again at the place of deliverance. Amen. So we know God is using them. Amen. So he said, Look, she said, Look, Call this person. How does she know how to call him? Who to call? Who to talk to? See, this is why you have to look at if you're in a place, woman of God, church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're in a place where we don't know who to call and don't know what the answer is. Then we got to get closer. She knew exactly who to call. Call this person and tell him, look, and see, some of us, we've been called, but you ain't answered the call. The church has called you, but you didn't answer the call. You don't want to do it no more. The church is, the church is saying, look, we need you here. You don't want to answer the call because you don't see yourself as the answer because you only see what the enemy is feeding you or you only see partially what God is saying, but a lot of what the enemy is feeding. And God wants to, you to know that all of that stuff is a lie. Look, she called Barak. She called Barak and said, look, you know, this lightning flash, and we know the lightning flash is some of the things that come from, you know, the throne of God. This was God saying, look, I'm answering you. 
when, 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 when John the apostle saw the throne of God and heard the lightnings and the, and the, and the thunders and the voices, this is God's working. God is saying, I'm answering you. Go get that one. The one I already made an answer before he was even born. The one that might have been born right here in the land because 20 years is a good long time, right? 20 years is some, long enough for somebody to be sent off to college. 20 years is somebody, long enough for somebody to be married for a good little while, have some children. Some, 20 years is something, long enough for some people to die off and everything. 20 years is a good long time. And for some of us, we've been dealing with some of this stuff for a good long time. But he said, look, I want you to call, call, call that guy that's in a holy place. Kadesh Naphtali. I want you to call him that's in a holy place. He's coming out of a holy place. I, I, I Call him, call him, because he's been trying to figure out, trying to walk in holiness. He's been trying to stay in the place of holiness. Call, call that guy, because that's the guy I want to empower. And that's the thing. Why is God answering the answer, answering this cry with holiness? Because holiness is the only answer to, to, to the bondage. Holiness, meaning being separate, consecrated, separated. That's the only answer. And she know, okay, I'm, not, I'm a woman. I understand I'm not a warrior, but I understand where I war. <laughs> I get victory for everybody. <laughs> so I, knew, I know where to go because victory is in holiness. Victory is in a holy place. So I know where to go. Call Barak. Call, call Barak. Come on, come on, come on. You ought to talk to your husband and say, you know, hey, yeah, I'm calling you. I'm calling you, honey. I'm calling you. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, let him know. Look, I'm calling you. The church is calling you, man of God. Get back in the holy place. And if you in a holy place, fight to stay there. Fight to keep on being there. Because now it is time to begin to move forward. Because he's like, she said, look. She's, caught, she's asking him a question, and I love the way that she prophesies in a sense. She's like, have not the Lord God of Israel commanded? Like, did, did you hear? Oh, I know you heard. <laughs> I know you done dreamt it. I know that it's in your heart. And see, that's the thing. God knows that it's in your heart. He knows that, you, that it's on the inside of you. He's just trying to get it to wake up big enough on the inside of you so it begins to guide you in the right way, meaning his promise, his call, his destiny in your life. She didn't say this is what the Lord said. She, she said, look, have not the Lord God of Israel commanded? Didn't you hear? Have you not been in the place? A prayer, have you not been in a place to be able to hear that this is what God has called you to do? Have not God been already preparing you? Yes, he's been preparing you. Every fight, everything that you're facing right now is preparation. Everything that you're up against right now is preparation for the call of God on your life. And I'm not just talking about preaching. I'm talking about fulfilling destiny, the thing that you were purposed to do in the earth. And that could be in some natural places. Yes, it could be in business. Yes, I know it's in business for me, but I do understand now also the forces that are there to get you to pull you away from the things of God. And I understand and appreciate the grace of God that has covered me thus far. Because otherwise I would have been them fell off. Amen. She said, look, this is what the Lord is saying. Draw toward Mount Tabor and take with thee 10,000 men. Of the children of Naphtali and Zebulun. Give me the next scripture. Said, now I will draw unto thee 
to the river Kishon, Caesarea, the captain of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. See, this is the thing. This is, this is what God, God wants us to come back to that place where Kishon. Kishon was the place where even Elijah is going to. <laughs> it, it, it was already christened right here. Where God said, look, I'm going to destroy the enemy. And then when Elijah come, I'm going to destroy the enemy again right here in this place. It's a winding place. I mean, this is the place where the enemy now starts to become confused. The things that the enemy has been doing has tried to accomplish, thought was finished, is done. No. God is about to confuse the enemy. God is confusing the enemy in Jesus' name. He wants to bring you to that place where victory is already there. He's already purposed the place. This is why you can't stop. And this is why we have to follow instructions from the people of God that are in our lives because it brings us to the places of victory. It brings us to the places of overcoming and conquering where we're not dreaming about things, where we're not just hoping about things, where we get to understand how to, how to really, really begin to possess the thing that God has said. Amen? So he said, well, I'll draw them there. So God is saying, I'm going to pull them in there. I'm going to pull them to that place. Amen. Come on. Give me verse eight. Like I said we got a little ways to go, so I'm trying to speed up. Amen. So in verse eight, said, and Barak said unto her, if thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. Jesus. Look at this. This man understood. Though I have the strength, I don't have the anointing to win. Though I'm intelligent and though even I'm coming out of a holy place, I don't have the anointing to win. I need you to come with me. <laughs> See, this is the thing. Some people you're trying to leave behind. Those that, that's that, that the church you're trying to leave behind. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing. That, 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 that Deborah, that Deborah you're trying to leave behind. That's the one that has the victory. Because the victory is given to her. <laughs> he understood something coming out of a holy place. He understood something. Being one that understood war, he's like, look, but I need you to be close. And see, God wants to heal some relationships and bring unity back to the house. Well, we don't just prophesy and then not be close to people. And we don't just accuse people of not being close to us while we're not trying to be close to people. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Because sometimes rejection to make folk make to try to make other people break their neck to make you feel accepted when you just need to deal with the rejection. It's nothing that anybody really can do to satisfy it because the rejection runs so deep. Nope. Nothing that anybody does is enough. Amen. God wants to heal. So we're ready to go to war. He understood, I can't go to war without you. I need you with me. I need you to come with me. I need you because if I'm going to win, I need us to be on the same page. I need us to be going down the same direction. I can't leave you back here. I need you to go to this valley with me. Come on, give me verse 9. What, what did Deborah say? I love her response. I love her response. And this, this should be the response of the church. And she said, I will surely go with thee. 
Notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. <laughs> for the Lord shall sell Caesarea into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. So she said, look, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Yeah, because I, I understand the victory is for the woman. Uh-huh, uh-huh. See, you know, sometimes you read this and you say, well, maybe she's talking about herself, but we'll see later on. I don't think she's talking about herself. Amen. But she's talking about a collective. This is why you got to get some other women around you. It's time for women to sharpen other women. Amen. It's time for the church to sharpen other churches. Amen. It's time for it's time for that. Amen. So we can go into the place where we're supposed to go. Amen. So she said, look, this, it's not for your honor. I know you're going to go do the fight and you're going to go do the work. And what God wants us to understand and, and want, us, want me to ask this morning is, will you go? Man of God, will you go? Will you fight? Will you go get the victory? If it's not for your honor? <laughs> See, we, I'm doing all this work. I'm doing all this. I'm doing all that. It ain't for you. Ooh, it's not for you. God's sending you because you got the strength. But if you don't understand, and if sometimes we don't understand, it's for the people we're connected to. It's not for you. It's not for me. Uh, so will you go? Will you go if somebody else gets the, gets the honor? Will you go if somebody else gets the, gets, gets the credit? Will you still go? Will you go when it don't seem like it's working? Will you go? Will you go? She said, I'm going to go. Woman of God, will you go? Will you go into the battle? Will you leave your husband to fight things by themselves? Will we leave the church to fight stuff all on its own to a certain extent? We're not being in the proper position and where we're supposed to be. Will we break the ranks and begin to just let the enemy in because we just don't feel like it no more? Will you go? Will you go? Your freedom, my freedom, our freedom is dependent on us going. We got to go. It's time to go. And it's time to say, you know what, some of this stuff, this right here is, is coming to an end. My cry is going to bring this to an end. God is going to answer me. And God, when God answers me, he's going to answer me by bringing and raising someone up. And see, this is the thing. This is what the Lord began to tell me. He said, look, some people have cried. I raised someone up and sent it to them, sent, sent them to them, but they denied it. They're still crying, acting like I have not answered them. But when I answer you, I send you a person. This is what Judges teaches us. When he answered the children of Israel, he sent Moses. When he answered the cry of sin in the land, he sent Jesus. So who's been sent to you that you keep on denying and keep on pushing off that really is the one that has your deliverance? Deliverance. Freedom. Why, why do we run from freedom? And tell God I don't want it at the same time. He's like, look, freedom is right there. I'm trying to humble you because if I just do it in you by yourself, you're going to be a great wonder. And nobody ain't going to be able to tell you nothing. So I need you to walk through the process with some other people so you can build unity in you so you don't get caught out here thinking you great and thinking you on this other level and then get, get 
snuffed out by the devil because you feel like you're on a plane all by yourself of revelation and, and everything. All right. Come on, give me verse 10. Like I said, we got a little ways to go. I'm almost done, though, y'all. I'm almost done. So, and Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and he went up with 10,000 men at his feet, and Deborah went with him. They went together. We see unity going to that place of war. So I ask you again, will you go? Man of God, will you worship? Man of war, will you, will you now? Because you maybe haven't been fighting as much, or you don't know how to fight at this level. Will you learn a new warfare? Will, will, will you discipline yourself to another place? Will you? Woman of God, will you go? Will you go to the place where it looks like there's danger with that man and trust God because of what God said? Will you, will you, will you take your seat again and be the prophetess and be the woman of God that God has called you to be? It's not just about a call. We're talking about an identity. Amen. The call shapes your identity if you let it. Husband, will you discern and know when God is speaking through your wife to know what to go after and what to focus on? Because some of us husbands don't like to listen. Some of us men of God don't like to listen to even if it's coming from a woman. We'll listen to another man. Yeah, 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 man, yeah. Yeah, man, I get you. But if it's coming from our wife or coming from another woman, no. She can't instruct me. Will you deal with that disrespect in your heart? Will you deal with that, 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 that you know, masculine, whatever, machismo type spirit? <laughs> Where you feel like you're so better than the woman. When you came from one, I came from one. How are we better than what we came from? <laughs> Come on. Woman of God, will you go? Will you, will you deal with what's in your heart? So when you give it, it ain't full of bitterness and pride and anger. You ain't stinging, stinging the people that you're talking to all the time. Come on, that's what we're talking about dealing with. We got to deal with that. We got to deal with that. Amen? All right, come on, give me verse 14, and we're going to read verses 14 through 16, and then... We'll end this up. So, and, and Deborah said unto Barak, up. Well, I'm going to just read verse 14. I'm sorry. Y'all. Up for this day is, is for, th for this is the day in which the Lord have delivered Caesarea into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? She said, look, I'm asking you another question. You don't see? Because she understands, you know, yeah, I'm just trying to see. Do you see? Do you see that it's time? Do you see that today is the day? See, the thing is, the thing you've been crying for, this word can actually be your answer today. The thing that you need in your family, this word, the seed of this word, could begin to start the growth of deliverance in your family today. It could. If you believe, can you not see that the Lord now has gone out before us? Can you not see that the Lord now is answering our prayer, answering our cries, and answering the things that we're crying out for, the things that have oppressed us for many years, oppressed our children? Oppressed our families, oppressed our churches. So I said, look, will you go? She said, look, up for this day in which the Lord have delivered Caesarea into thy hand, is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Tabor and 10,000 men after him. So they, it's 10,000 men, 900 chariots. So they got good numbers. 
but the chariots are still strong, right? So what you're facing is still strong. I don't want you to under, I want you to understand that what we're facing is still is not weak, but we have the greater one on the inside of us. We have the greater one. So we, but we need his wisdom, his direction, his word. We need him to go out before us. Then there's guaranteed victory no matter what anybody has. Amen. It was first 15 and 16. Saying the Lord discomfited Caesarea and all his chariots and all his hosts with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Caesarea lighted down off his chariot and fled away. So look, saying Barak pursued after the chariots and after the hosts until Harasheth of the Gentiles and all the hosts of Caesarea fell upon the edge of the sword and there was not a man left. We're talking about total victory except one person. The one person that signifies, symbolizes the battle. Caesarea, the general, the captain of the host. He got away. And many times during deliverance, this is what happens. We deal with 98%, but we won't deal with that 2%. We deal with 98, you know, 99%, but not that 1%. But God wants complete victory, complete victory. It's time to get up. It's time for you to wake up. It's time to go to the place of war and understand God has given the victory according to the word of God. Meaning, what am I saying? I'm saying take the word of God and now fight your battles. Understand that just hearing the word and receiving the word is not going to be enough for some things that you're facing, that we're facing. We have to take the word and begin to fight. And we have to begin to come into a place where the wisdom and the revelation and the prophetic is flowing in the midst of us so we can have the wisdom and the insight and the advantage of what God is revealing to us. Amen. Last scripture, verse 21. And then Jael... Heber's wife took a nail of the tent and took a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples and fastened it into the ground. For he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. This is Caesarea that she just killed. This was the last portion. This is who Deborah was talking about. Deborah was talking about this woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, Deborah prophesied it. And that's, yes, some of that victory and the honor of that victory was now given to her. But this woman, because she says specifically about Caesarea, the thing that sparked the battle, the thing that is the root of what you're really, really fighting, it's going to take a JL. And this is why you got to be... Nice to the stubborn people. Because <laughs> JL means mountain goat. It's going to take the one. These people, this family has severed themselves from Moses. I mean, they really wasn't with anybody. They was kind of friends with, you know, Jabin and that kingdom. But because so, he told him that they were coming down. But that was according to the word of the Lord. So her husband told the king, hey, they showing up here come down here to fight. 
God said he was going to bring him down there. That God just refilled, just fulfilled that word. Right. But now his wife steps in. The guy that Caesarea is running away just to fill you in in the story. He's tired. He goes into the tent. He knows them. So he feels comfortable. He covers himself up with the mantle and he goes to sleep. She gave him some milk. He was he was he was trying to stay alive. He's trying to stay alive. And this this woman of God. Took the nail and put it through her, put it through his temples and fastened him to the ground. What is that picture? That picture is how the how God would give the necks of your enemies to you continually. Because when your head is fastened to the, to the ground, <laughs> your neck is exposed, meaning he's going to cut off the flow and begin to deal with the mindset. Because I begin to look this up and I'm going to let you go, because when we're talking about deliverance, we can't just talk about deliverance from the culture of what we're around and not the mindset, the culture of what we have allowed to come into our lives and come into our hearts and not the mindset. This mountain goat. And this is why I want to talk to some of y'all women who may you may feel like or even the church may feel like oh, I'm rejected. You know, I'm, I don't fit in with everybody. I don't you know, I don't really listen that well. You're a little rebellious, hard headed, you know, stuff like that and everything. You know, but God still wants to use you. God still wants to use you. And if you will begin to get sensitive and understand that God still wants to use you, he can change that nature that's on the inside of you. Amen. So look, the temporal lobes, which are on the left and right side of the head, they manage the emotions. They process information from your senses, sensitivity, storing and retrieving memories and understanding language. So he begins, she began to now take away that thing that operates in our mind, that affects us emotionally, that keeps us bound, that processes when we feel stuff, you're feeling the wrong thing. Somebody say this, but you felt that. Somebody said, hey, but you, you're trying to figure out what they want. <laughs> Somebody asks you how you're doing and you feel offended. So, something's not processing right. You're not sensing stuff correctly. Storing and retrieving memories, meaning that's some things you need to forget. That's some things you need to move away from. That's some memories you have stored that is, it is, the, it is the, the ammunition. It is the fuel that the enemy uses to keep you bound. They said this. They did this. That, that happened to me. God didn't move in that way. God didn't do this. This person said that. I feel this way. I feel that way. I've never had this. It's some of those things you got to put a nail through. It's time to put a nail through those things. And understanding language. God wants to open you up to be able to understand what he is saying better. So you're able to apply it better. It's not that you don't have the word. Some of us, we don't apply the word. We're looking for a word that makes us feel okay. And I began to, I was listening to this guy and he was talking about his, his growth. He was a pastor at this point and he was saying, man, I went to this church and all they did was encourage. All they did was encourage. All they did was encourage. And he said, I got to a place where I could not grow anymore because I needed more than that. And see, if you're a person that doesn't like to be pushed, and doesn't like to be challenged and you know because you struggle with failing struggle with coming up short you struggle with so many different things it's still you the place where you need and the place of victory is being pushed out of that place it's being in an uncomfortable place 
is being in a place where you're challenged in those areas that you really don't want to be challenged at. That's how life changes. It doesn't change any other way. Life doesn't change any other way for anybody that way without those things happening. Not unless you, I guess you, you play in the lottery, which we don't really supposed to be doing, but, <laughs> you know, life will change for a little while, right, just money-wise. But your life on the inside won't change just because you got more money. Just because you got better things, the life on the inside doesn't change. That only changes when you begin to challenge these things and you allow these things to be challenged on the inside of you and you begin to allow God to break the yokes, to break the hold on our hearts, to break the image that we're trying to live up to, to tear it down, to come out of false worship where we're trying to worship this image instead of God or worship them together. We have to allow God to break the yoke. It's time to put the, the nail through the temple, kill the mindset and destroy the atmosphere on the inside. Get hungry for the word. Wake up, Deborah. We need you. Woman of God, we need you in place because a lot of this is we see women getting the victory through this message. We see women getting the victory and guiding what the victory is. Woman, we need you back wailing, crying. We need you back worshiping. We need you back giving that wisdom, insight, direction, correction, support, prayers, intercession. We need you to wake up. Wake up to who you are. Your life is not, is not showing who you really are. How you feel on the inside probably is just an illusion and just a you know, veil of who you really are and who God has made you to be. Wake up, church. And that's, that's including all of us. It's time for us to wake up. There's some things that you just, we have to begin to say, God, you know, well, I'm going to stand right here in my faith till you do it. Until, I mean, strong faith. I'm going to stand right here until you do it. I'm going to I'm going to do what I'm going to take the correction I need to take. I'm going to allow people to to help me. I'm going to allow people to, you know, I'm going to allow unity to come so we can wake up together. Amen. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Amen. Thanks for tuning in and please make sure to visit us at churchoffilla.com for more podcasts and ways to connect with us on social to like, subscribe, follow, and share content as it comes along. Special thanks to those who give in so many ways to this ministry. We could not do any of this without you. And if you want to give or be a part, visit churchoffilla.com forward slash give for more information. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.